3: Welcome to the Football Ramble, a penalty shootout in the London Derby, and Dyer's got the shits. It's Wednesday, the thirtieth of September. I'm Jules Breach.
4: I'm Andy Russell. Rassel. Love the Fan Daraja
3: Just to clarify, I don't actually know if he has the shits.
5: Has he though, Jules? I think he would have taken a lot longer.
3: No, not if you've got the shits, it's in and out. You're straight in and you're straight back out. No? I'm
4: worried about unless they've got a B Day situation there, I'm worried about all sorts of things. <laughs> they must have a B Day in that
5: stadium. I mean it's the greatest stadium in Britain. They yeah. must have.
4: Yeah, they should do. Or maybe one of those Japanese ones where you can just press a button and it turns into a
5: Oh,
3: those are good, aren't they? You get yeah. like a hairdryer on your bum.
5: I mean why why do we think to to, to, to clarify that <laughs> Mourinho ran after him? I mean well he it, said didn't to he to go and
4: Eric put paper down
3: <laughs> no he said I, I went in there to tell him to hurry up he needs to come back out th- that's you the can't last
4: go. yeah you can't go when someone's waiting for you that's the last thing he needs P- to be
5: told hurry up poof right I think he already knows the uh <laughs> <laughs> sorry what was that poof
3: right <laughs> is that something you get <laughs> I don't know when Presumably you need if to you go get, if you, you need you
4: get, to go yeah if you get one you get the other don't you um, <laughs> yeah that was that was so yeah he knows he's just run off a, he's just run off a professional football match he knows he has to get back on as quickly as possible yeah what would happen if you did that on five a side I reckon you'd get pelters from your age if you did that on five side and they might even I don't think they'd stop for you even in five side no I don't
5: think
4: no, no chance
5: roll, we've already got the hour that's easier though rolling subs Good point. Yeah,
3: Yeah, true. I mean, to be fair, it livened up the game, didn't it? I love the fact that Eric Dyer still went out and did the post-match interview. That is brave. That is ballsy. I like that because he could have quite easily gone, you know what, no, I'm not answering anyone tonight. This is far too embarrassing. But he went out, he spoke to the press, and he admitted... That he just needed to go. When I mean, you need to go, you need to go, Vish.
4: There were two moments I enjoyed. Um, he was awarded the Man of the Mash as well, and he put it on the toilet and took a photo yeah, of it. Yeah, that was very good. And also at the end, when Mason Mount missed his penalty, he went up to console him, and he had his hands all over his face. Oh,
3: so <laughs> Well, to be fair, when you're rushed out of the loo like that, you probably don't wash your hands even in Covid times. So don't, don't wipe Don't
4: wipe on Mason Mount's face. <laughs> I, I, honestly, would it be surprising if later today there was a brief from Chelsea that Mason Mount is currently ill. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, it definitely made it highly entertaining because we know the league cups like Andy you're watching Bake Off at the same time. It's not really the first choice game you watch, is it?
5: I have to say, it was only the second of the series of Bake Off. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I suppose equi- equivalent to the um, early stages of the the, the the League Cup. I mean, it feels like a later stage of the League Cup than it should be. I mean, they're in the quarterfinals after winning that. Yeah, and, I know. Uh, aren't they? And it seemed like almost too big a game for mm. this stage in the competition. But I think it did underline the squads that both sides have got as well, because I, I, I tend to think it's really beneficial for Spurs to put out the team that they did and okay the performance was a little bit up and down but I think for Mourinho that's that that's quite that's quite good to have that sense of what I've got in the rest of the squad what I can do without Kane and a, a, a couple of other players and um the, the second half particularly I thought you know Spurs obviously made a, a, a few changes to try and get themselves back into the game but I've, I felt that there were some players out there that they got a he he will know a little bit more about. I mean, it's, it's quite interesting when you sort of follow what Spurs fans are saying on social media Jelson Fernandes was getting quite a lot of shit. I know our our own Kate Mason was, was defending him. I thought given how little football he's played, he was okay. I I think there's enough to say, let's give him another go. And Tungy and Dombele already is growing into that costume of like being the boss in that Spurs midfield, I think as well.
4: Can I ask um, a question relating to the French style of football for midfielders? Because I noticed Ndombele did a little shift with his feet yesterday that Paul Pogba does as well. And it's one of those where it looks like he's kind of playing, you know, touching it with his right to go to his left. But he almost stops it with the same foot and and shifts the other way. And it leaves defenders in exactly the same, you know, elicits the same reaction in defenders where they just, they don't just stop they kind of turn around and they're like, oh, there's no way they can combat this. It's almost like a street football move. I'm not articulating it very well here, but (laughs) but, Ndombele did it in the second half and I thought... You've created space from nothing there. Mm. You have no right to be as free as you want. This are is right where now.
3: I want you to get like a little tablet out and just demonstrate it for us, get your video.
4: I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for socials. <laughs> it. And, and Ramble TV, touch screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I was, uh, you know, you said there was a chance for players on the fringes to come out and, um, and show their worth. And he seems to be doing that bit by bit now.
5: He does. And um, again, I know Kate was very like distressed by the idea of Spurs selling him when it looked like his his position at um, Spurs was, was, was untenable. And I think this, this is definitely smart to reintegrate him. Uh, it might be by circumstance rather than design because they couldn't find someone out there to buy him but they definitely lack that player in midfield and being forced, and maybe this will happen with other players, I don't know, because of the current situation of the, the the market and everything being so uncertain, that you've got to work more with current players. I would love to believe that was the case, certainly, because it's clear that Ndombele, with the right backing, with the right confidence, can provide something that they don't have. And that creation of space, I, I think is 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 a really, really good example of that. The, the fact that he's, he's someone who can change the pace of the game, that he can go past players, that he can play that pass. He's, he's not just a final passer. He's not just a ball winner. There's, there's so much to him. I I, I think, and it will, it will really benefit Spurs who like under Mourinho, generally have looked really, really stodgy in that area. And so I'm, I'm sure we'll get to uh, Sergio Reguilon in a, in a minute, but when you think of Doherty and Reguilon coming in, you think, well, there's nothing in the middle, so they need to create something from those wide, wide positions. Players, yeah. But if they could do both, obviously, that would be even better.
3: Yeah, well, he got his first start last night, on, and he looked good, I thought. And, of course, crossed the ball for Lamella's goal for the equaliser. Mm. And as you say... And g-
5: gave away the goal as, <laughs> as, as, as well yeah. for Verna. For, for but, you know, you've, you've put him in there to play. Mm. You know he's he's, he's going to make mistakes now and then, and you know that's that's part of it, right?
4: I loved his appetite after making a mistake because I mm. cause it was so bad because he's he makes two mistakes. Right? He gives the ball away, and then Aspilacuta sends him for. Well, I don't know. I thought he was still going to go. He might as well just walked off the pitch. It was
5: such a satisfying skid, though, wasn't it? It was. It was. I
4: think Andy Gray, once, um, when someone was done like that, once said that they would need to buy another ticket to get back on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And it looked like he was in that situation. But he um, just the appetite to, to keep going forward and, and to know that the pressure was on him a little bit more as a debutant, as someone that has been, you know, talked about a lot from com- coming into the team. And yeah, he he's. Um, I know we saw a bit with Sevilla and I, and I know that when you watch YouTube highlights, you're only going to see the best of certain mm. players and, and even with defenders is about what they do going forward. But he was just his, his, I suppose his fitness as well because he's going to be rusty. Mm. And just the way he was able to go back and forth and even the way he turned onto his right foot to put in that cross was so smart because I think mm. in that moment he realised that they know I'm left footed. Ideally, I'd like to cross this to my left, but I'm only going to get space on my right and I'm going to deliver the perfect cross.
5: Well, you can talk about rustiness. I mean, it, to me, it feels like the Europa League finished like five minutes ago. That's true, actually, yeah. So um, maybe for him, there's no real stoppage. I had a day off and then I went to Spurs, <laughs> kind
2: of thing.
3: Yeah, exactly. But still, it's been a while since he's played a full yeah, match. Absolutely. So, uh, what about uh, Chelsea's performance then? Because they they scored earlier on in the game through Timo Werner, his first goal for Chelsea. We also saw what a finish, yeah. What a, mm, we saw mm. a first start as well for Ben Chilwell, who's been out injured. We saw Mendy with his first start as well for the club. So there are a lot of debuts last night, Andy, for Chelsea as a whole. What did you make of their performance? Because technically, they didn't lose the game, did they?
5: No, I thought the the, the front half was better than the back half of it. Um, there's there's work. That needs to needs to go on, and um, clearly, I, I got the impression that with the, with that rotation, I, I felt like I, I don't know. It may sound weird because of Tottenham's current schedule, but looking at the comp- composition of the teams, it almost felt like Tottenham were rotating more to find out a little bit more about the squad, and Chelsea were rotating for rest. I mean that 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 might not be correct. No, in fact, it probably isn't correct, but. I, th- I think that's 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 the way it looked in in terms of the team sheets, uh, it, and it just felt like Werner was left in to get his goal. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. really, and 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 that obviously worked. I, I think. And the-
3: obviously, he scores when he can't get me any fantasy points, <laughs> <laughs> and he's now out of my team. Not that it makes a difference because obviously you don't get points for the league cup, but still. He's gone. he well, should now. do. It's it's I lost you. my patience. <laughs> Dead <laughs> to me, Vish.
5: Is, is, is that a change you would like to see in the the, the, the game? Points for the League Cup?
3: No, definitely not. No, no, I can only focus on one competition, do. It's too much.
5: Right. <laughs> well, Spurs are having to do like three at the moment. I mean, it's incredible to think that they're playing a game that, you know, Mourinho says is more important against Maccabee Haifa on, I thought on that was, Thursday. Th- I
3: thought that was quite interesting of him in the post-match, didn't, didn't you? It is, it's I,
5: true,
4: though, isn't
3: it? Yeah, no, of course it's yeah. true. It has to be. But they don't normally admit it, do they? They don't normally say, this is more important than that, especially when they've just won on penalty. I thought it was a little bit of a dig at Chelsea in a way. Like, oh, Thursday's more important, but we still beat you, ha-ha.
5: Him and uh, Joao Sacramento were having a s- sort of sneaky little celebration going down the, the yeah. <laughs> going down the, the, the tunnel, a sort of, we want to celebrate, but we don't want to be seen celebrating yeah, exactly. because we want people to think it's insignificant, even though it's quite a good bit of deal to it. Although, really, was it Sacramento sort of instigating the celebration? Like, oh, no, it's a big deal to you, <laughs> <Yeah>. gaffer. <laughs> Giving him a little cuddle and rub on the head.
3: Well, from Spurs fans perspective, we have to go to Kate Mason on this. And she was loving it last night, wasn't she, in the WhatsApp group? She was like, we're going to win two trophies this year. We're going to win the League Cup and we're going to win the Europa League. I don't think she was joking.
4: Yeah, you've, you've <laughs> thrown her on the bus there, haven't you? She's being
3: deadly serious. I think <laughs> but
4: the um the thing about uh, Spurs and, and where they are, and I suppose where football is at the moment in general, we're going to have more pl- people, more more players, more coaches speaking honestly because the schedule is such a farce mm. that you know we see it in their actions of what what is you know what is the priority here, and I wondered as well from Chelsea's point of view yesterday that's quite a not necessarily an easy trophy to pick up but it's one of the easier ones to pick up it's one of the ones realistically in both Spurs and Chelsea's reach and I thought Lampard looked particularly downhearted yesterday and I don't think it's just because they lost on penalties in the way they did I think it's because it's quite an easy win and he played under a manager in Mourinho who would always use that League Cup as a way of cultivating that winning mentality because it is a habit isn't it you see Mm best teams in the world, they don't just win one, they keep winning. And they keep winning because they remember what it feels like. And they know what it's like to have their hands on something and to lift it and to get all that praise and to build towards something. And I think I saw that more in Mourinho's side yesterday, not least because of how they came back in the second half. And also, conversely, the other way, in the way that Chelsea seemed to let Spurs come back in the second half. So I I think, you know, Mourinho's already won it four times. I think he won it three times with Chelsea, won it once with Manchester United. Mm. Of course, for a fifth. And I think Lampard thought, damn, that's probably one of our two gone now, actually. yeah.
3: And and when you think about the schedule, we, I mean, we've talked about it. It is absolutely nuts, particularly for Tottenham, because they're in the early stages of the, the Europa League, the League Cup now. and Obviously, because they're through to the next round, that means that's only going to continue for them. Coming into last weekend, they played four games in 10 days. And then between... The start of this week and next week, it's another three games in seven days, and those games aren't easy. As you say, they've got a Europa League game on Thursday to come, and then they're away at Manchester United at the weekend.
5: These the one aren't easy team games. That is ever going to be thankful for the international brand.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're right. You are right. But yet despite that, despite the fact that when you talk about the squad, Andy, and, and the players mm. that, that were used, no Dali Alley again. Now, if you are moaning about maybe not moaning isn't the right word, but if you are commenting on how hectic the schedule is.
5: Moaning is definitely the right okay, word moaning if you're is a the right word. I was trying to be a, I was
3: trying to be professional for a second there. Um but yeah, it, you know, when you're complaining about the amount of games you have and needing more players, but you've got someone like Deli Ali and you leave him out the squad for the fourth time already this season. Four times he's been completely left out the squad. That's obviously very telling and Something needs to happen there. Where's he going to go? Well, he they're, needs they're, to leave. They're,
5: they're trying to get rid of him, clearly. Yeah. Um, I still think it's, it's, it's quite a difficult deal to piece together to get him to, to Paris Saint-Germain. I don't particularly think he fits what Paris Saint-Germain want or need at the moment, although interestingly... Would
3: that be on loan? Uh,
5: I think so. I think so. But I, I, I guess the, the one thing that makes it work is, like I said before, the fact that Delhi is far more versatile than people give him credit for. I think when he first came into the Spurs team and he was he was playing a lot deeper midfield role. So I think he's more than intelligent and talented enough to do that. But what's interesting actually is they're looking in France at the moment and Neymar played this kind of different role when um, Paris Saint-Germain won at Rollins at the weekend. He played somewhere like not exactly a 10, not quite that far forward. I'm not talking like... Pirlo sort of deep but a little bit deeper than you would expect him to and he played really well there and he he had, a, he had a really really good game and it was interesting to see if they'll use Neymar going forward now the the one thing with Neymar is he's up before the beacon we're going to find out like later today actually um if he's facing a a, a ban for his spat with Alvaro Gonzalez and Alvaro Gonzalez is likely to get the book thrown at him as as well and quite rightly so if he's done what people think he's done in in terms of racist abuse but Neymar's been accused of homophobic abuse of uh, racist language towards uh, Hiroki Sakai um, the the Japanese right back of Marseille and with that I mean he could be out The, the, the expectation is he could be out for quite a long time if he gets done for that, so it may sound weird the idea of Delhi replacing Neymar, but he could definitely do the job he did last weekend. So it'd be interesting to see how it all fits together. I mean, the thing is, with enormous clubs and well, enormous clubs with Paris Saint Germain, they <laughs> always get the player and then that and then figure out how it will click together afterwards. I could understand why they would why they would go for him. He's is enormous talent and obviously generate a lot of interest.
4: I know we've spoken about on the show about where we think he might go, and I think there's a lot to be said of uh, you know Andy touching it there about how he came into the side. He was a bit more deep lying and and just kind of him sorting out in his own head where he wants to play. Because evidently, as you you know, you start this question off Jules with you know complaining about lack of bodies and you're leaving out one of more established. Um, I wonder if how, how much of Mourinho's. Um, you know how it's not a dislike that's probably a bit harsh but how much of Mourinho moving on from Deli Ali is just thinking how can i fit this player in my team i can't make enough i know, i can't give him enough assurances to be for him to be the player he wants to be in this side
5: i mean i know they're not the same player but do you think the concession of getting, letting dembele um, letting Bele back in the in the picture is sort of almost to Ali's detriment.
4: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because I remember when Ali started, I thought he was one of the more dexterous midfielders in England, What, well, sort of rather English midfielders. Dexterous that- is the word, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Dexterous I- deli. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were also moments where, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of going to, I'm not going to unequivocally like him to um, Thomas Muller here, but sometimes in in forward positions, he, he seemed to be very hard to track. And he was also very hard to defend against because he would move a bit differently because he's quite tall. And, you know, he has so many different skills. You don't really know if he's going to arrive at the back post and head in or he's going to be the one that threads through that pass or arrives late over the top for a ball from Harry Kane or whatever. And now I think he's lost a bit of that. And I don't think it's down to laziness. I think, I think it's more down to a bit of confusion. Mm. So I was trying to think of where, where he might go, where he might get some of that back. And it would have to be a big club. PSG seems a a bit of a weird one, but I suppose, as you said there, if they're going to work out how to use them, then fine. I mean, Inter, just because they love a bit of a Premier League player, don't they?
5: Yeah, and they've only got like 28 midfielders (laughs) at the moment. So we're fine. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But
4: but yeah, I don't know.
3: Yeah, five or six days until the transfer window closes. So uh, by this time next week, we should probably know where Delhi is going to be for the rest of this season. Where there's
5: a desperate need, there's a way, basically, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. With the clock running down. He
3: will go somewhere, won't he, in the next week? Uh, Let's move on then. Uh, Congratulations to Spurs. They're through to the quarterfinals. Something that um, I know the guys have been talking about quite a bit on Football Ramble in the last few days, and uh, Kate and the Guys, yesterday spoke about it. It's the update on football's future, whether or not there would be any funding, particularly with the National leagues uh, due to start this weekend. Now, it is being reported that the National League and the government have agreed funding to support the league. Now, this is great news if this actually ends up happening because, look, they're in such a precarious position. The fact that they've had to wait until, what is it, three, four days before the league's starting to know whether or not they can even play this weekend seems crazy to me but if this news is true and the government does manage to fund the National League and and the lower leagues going forward for the rest of this season then that's brilliant news because it means that all of those players and all of those people will now have jobs for the for the rest of this season because it must have been so tough for managers of any of these National League clubs and the lower league clubs to have to get their squads together they've had to prepare them all I was listening to Jamie O'Hara who's the manager of Billericke on TalkSport and he was saying he's had to get his squad completely prepared for a season that they don't even know whether it's going to go ahead or not and mm. he and the the players' contracts don't come into effect until the weekend, until that first game is played. So you could get as close as Saturday morning and still not have known whether or not you've got a job for the rest of the season and for the, a lot of these players this might be their only job, this might be the only way they have income for their family. So fingers crossed this all actually ends up going ahead. It looks as though it is um, so. Yeah, that's really good news, isn't it?
4: Yeah, massively so. The, one of the reasons the seasons were were cut short so early during or um, well, during the first lockdown was because of basically what you've alluded to there with regards the to contracts. Because in a lot of those players' contracts at that level, the contract ends at the end of the season, which is written in as basically at the final whistle of the last game. And with with the suspension and with that last game moving further and further away, players, you know, players were kept getting paid and clubs were like, well, we need to come to a solution. So let's can it all together. And now the flip side is, yeah, that all these players are kind of even more in the lurch. And it's really, you know, I think we certainly, you know, in the, between these four walls, we talk about football and we talk about the highest levels of football. But we have to also remember that it is a job. And while it is a job for people at the top, yeah. it is a lot of the people's sole source of income at mm-hmm. that level. Bear in mind, you know, we obviously talk a lot about the players that have come to the top of the professional game via the non-league, but you've got to remember that they're the ones that make it. And there are a lot of people who don't actually have that part-time job as, um, you know, as an S and C coach or as a trainer in a gym, they think this is part of their dream. And a lot of people live that dream, live that sole purpose up until the age of, of 28, some even at 30, considering mm-hmm. how late Vardy came through. Um, And yeah, it is really harrowing. And I I do hope something can be done. And it's obviously the government funding stuff is encouraging. I don't hold up much hope for it, to be honest. Mm. Like it all sounds, I don't want to be a bit of a doom monger here because we haven't seen how it's going to plan out. But I mean, I think we've got enough evidence of how things have been done over the last few months, maybe in the last couple of years to know that, I don't know. I want to see it. I I won't trust it until I see it, yeah.
3: Yeah, I think that the, the positive thing is that with this news that's come out that the government are going to to fund to support the leagues, at least that's them recognising how important these football clubs are and how important yeah. these jobs are. Because not only is a football club there to provide jobs for people in that community, the club is there to provide a lot for a community, whether that's for mental health reasons
5: or exactly. whatever it exactly. might be. There are so
3: many issues around a football club that... Perhaps if you've not been involved in lower league football, you wouldn't even really think about, but actually it is the heart of the community, Andy, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it, it really is. And um, a lot of these clubs have, have, have done a lot like with no budget really to to help their local community um during during lockdown i think of um the the, the dons action group with um afc wimbledon for example who have got food out to to vulnerable people through a huge ne- network of volunteers and a network that was originally assembled to to to, to leaflet for the bond issue to m- make up um the the difference in funding between the stadium which again will be something for the community so i think to think it's it's just players and if you're a pro you're loaded i mean we've got to get past that thinking yeah. is, is 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 so much more but it has to be about the fans as well because i mean as, as luke was saying and i thought the guys had a very eloquent discussion on it yesterday um you know it, it is it is something that's important to people but all these clubs are important to people and and that's why you know, people have fought tooth and nail to keep clubs that have been in dreadful positions alive and why it's been so awful to see Barry go and to see Macclesfield go. But I, I feel there's been very little understanding or top-level leadership of, of the issues that these clubs actually face. And, you know, it's something that we're talking about now. We should have been talking about it six months ago. Like, Yeah. Uh, obviously before that, you know, it would be better if stuff was run better in the, in, in the, in the first place. And clearly there are a lot of issues that have have, have been there for a number of years, but um, that we're just coming round to talking about it now when we're like, you know, sort of a foot off the cliff mm. is it's, it's, it's ridiculous.
3: The real issue here is that um, fans are still not allowed into stadiums of elite football clubs. And the national league is part of that elite group. Now, that means that without any of the gate money, the funding just literally isn't there and football clubs can't survive. That's why they need the government funding. So
5: that's National League and National League South and North. North and as, South as well. As they well, were included it? because
3: yeah. there was, um, I think it was changed maybe a couple of years ago when they, they wanted to sort out relegation and promotion from the National League North and South. And in order to be able to have that into the National League, they needed to include them as an elite club. Yes. Now, obviously, this is an issue because without any of the gate money and now hopefully with some government funding, they can survive. But in terms of the FA Cup, there has been some agreements made in terms of fans being allowed into certain stadiums. Now, if any elite club, as you've just said, Andy, National League, North, South and above are at home, then they can't have any fans in those stadiums. Home fans can attend non-elite club games. And so if there are two clubs that are both non-elite, then they can have fans in the stadium. So we've actually seen it recently in the last couple of weeks since the season began that the non-elite clubs have had fans there and actually as a whole from what I've seen and we've had coverage on on BT Sport at the weekends because we've had reporters out to some of these games that they have actually got fans there and they're absolutely loving it. It's so amazing to see fans back in stadiums and they are all socially distancing and it's all being done Mm. very well but of course this can only be done in the non-elite clubs still.
5: But it goes back to that theme especially with the FA Cup qualifying rounds um, that are happening this week that you know football doesn't exist in a vacuum and that's what we've been talking about from the very start I suppose isn't it I mean they had this statement from Corinthian Casuals. They're playing Dulwich, um, which um, I, I, I looked up because I didn't want to misquote. And uh, Corinthian Casuals have said, uh, following an announcement from the Department of Culture, Media and Sport in conjunction with the FA, Corinthian Casuals will be unable to admit supporters of Dulwich Hamlet to King George's Arena for the FA Cup second qualifying round fixture, which is happening this weekend. As the coronavirus is clearly clever enough to differentiate between supporters of, <laughs> of step two and three clubs. In their wisdom, supporters of National League clubs, which include Dulwich Hamlet, are banned from Spectator, in. and you've got this situation haven't you Vish with with Wealdstone which is and the streaming which is a really weird one
4: yeah yeah they've had to go to, they're basically in a situation where they um, they can admit people into their clubhouse to watch a game on a stream where on the other side of the wall this match is taking place where they've got to black oh, out the windows that's as ridiculous well. but the I mean yeah, where do you start yeah, with with some of this because you'll be in a situation where, well, I, I don't know what team it would be actually, but there clearly it would be a team in the situation who are losing money from getting promoted,
3: getting yeah.
4: promoted into that elite level. Mm.
3: Um, That's a really good point.
4: I don't know why they didn't just. Oh, sorry. Like, I don't really have anything to say beyond just the flurry of swear words, really, yeah. because we're in a situation now. Bloody where, COVID. But just, but just some common sense as well. I think it's, it's you know, a lot of it, it is obviously COVID's fault. And. You know, fuck that guy if we ever see him on the street. <laughs> but
3: roll your sleeves up like Frank. But was a way. Get those forearms out. <laughs> Give him a punch in the face. Take
4: off that Rolex. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a way of doing this sensibly, and I, I think you know while we are not surprised? You know, we we see EF, if EF, EFL clubs go out of business despite the fact that we have warning signs two years down the line. All it would have taken is a bit of thought, forethought to think, right? You know. <laughs> Let them watch the game at least through a window. Like, why? Uh, I don't know. Sorry. This is just so, so run.
3: We could rant for ages. I know, I mean? yeah.
4: And just the thing I will point out is we're very lucky that our football clubs are very different. Obviously, Avery, Wimbledon, um, a bit different for you, Andy. But, you know, while our teams are playing football and playing football four times a week, suddenly these guys are just out on a whim. And, yeah, I really, really sympathise with them.
3: Yeah, it's crap. All right. Well, let's move on. We're going to take a break. And after this, we'll get to some of your emails.
6: join me Melissa Reddy and listen to my brand new podcast Between the Lines I'll be speaking to the biggest names in football about the captivating behind the scenes stories fans want to hear from major talking points to untold anecdotes you'll hear from some of football's leading stars as well as those working in the shadows in our first episode I spoke to former Spurs manager Maurizio Pochettino about that Amazon documentary
2: we feel responsible because it was uh, very difficult to say yes to open the door to amazon only we watched with jesus the 25 minutes first because it was until we uh, left the club
6: And on our latest episode, I investigate how prevalent and damaging social media abuse is in football. And I was like taking all this negativity onto myself
3: and I did. I kind of lost myself and my personality because I knew everything that was going on around it. And it's not until I actually got to a stage where I thought, I can't take this anymore. It
6: is becoming too much for me that I spoke out about it. Craving football insight? Well, look no further. Listen to Between the Lines with me, Millie. Listen Reddy via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts.
2: This was a Sticcano production. Craig Brown. Welcome to the Football Ramble.
3: No, I wasn't expecting that. Clearly I thought
5: it was Marcus's day off.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering what that was because we were we were pre warned prior to that break. Pete's made something for you. I, was, I wondered how weird it would get.
5: Oh, I sent a little shiver down your spine, <laughs> not it? I know, I um, know.
3: Right, let's get to your emails. Show at footballramble.com. Uh, this first one is from Darren Kershaw, who says, Hello, all. Hello, Darren. Uh, just regarding yesterday's email suggesting football clubs should merge to save the lower leagues. I've got a better idea to avoid potential rivals having to join forces, which nobody wants, really. My, da- my idea is... A football tax. Good God, I never thought we would talk about taxes on Football Ramble. He says, hear me out, though. We often talk about how those few teams at the top of the pyramid get richer and the money never gets reinvested back into the game. Why not? On every transfer in the Premier League, just like an agent takes their cut, the Football League receives a cut. This money is then redistributed amongst the lower league clubs and the higher you finish, the more you receive. You could also do the same with TV fees from Sky and BT as well as any other fee paid as part of the Premier League machine. You could even have it as a stipulation of any foreign billionaire or state wanting to buy a club. They also have to contribute to the well-being of the league as a whole. There has to be enough of this excess cash sloshing about that the rich minority just would not miss. It's just a thought. Keep up the good work. Vish, you gave me a bit of a look during that. What do you think?
4: I think it's interesting. I think there is nothing wrong with the idea of a, you know, looking after. I suppose the the people who can't afford to look after themselves. And you know, we talked about it before the break about clubs going out in business. And and you know, we always get the the comparison of so and so earning x much, you know, x amount of money a week, and what that money could do lower down. Um, I suppose in the case of foreign billionaires as well, or you know foreign takeovers, it kind of makes sense to come in and, and help out the ecosystem that you're going to profit off. Um, I sound like a proper socialist there, and I'm all for it, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean it is, it's an interesting point of view. We were talking about this off uh, before we started recording. How much money actually does go down from the top? Because I'm a bit unsure on that. It's a, a
5: token amount, but the Premier League would already say they, 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 they pay their, their, mm. their bit and um you know that was um that, that that was related to the football league accepting the 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 change in rules for uh taking young players wasn't it mm. um that that's that's was the trade off but i i think that the concern for me is that just throwing money at the situation is is not going to fix it obviously money is needed but and I, I I know Darren's suggestion comes from a good place and I can definitely see the, the, the point in that. But in the current system, I'm not sure the money makes all the difference because the problem is that football league clubs can't be trusted to spend their, 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 their money sensibly. And also the EFL is a fundamentally weak institution that has been mismanaged for a number of years and a lot of people would say it isn't fit for purpose mm-hmm. so i think you go back to other stuff about the i follow subscription model where people can people from abroad can watch their games and supporters can watch midweek games normally that can't be televised they can watch all of them at the moment you can pay a tenner to watch um a stream of your club that looks like a club video from the 90s um, that will
4: cut out every half an hour yeah
5: yes perhaps that, even that's yeah. right but if you don't complain during the game you can't get your money back <laughs> um, and the, the distribution of, of of money there is weighted in favour of of the bigger clubs, which is a huge issue. And that's something that I think Sean Harvey, when when he was chief exec, was 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 in charge of. If the EFL are dishing the money out, or the money goes directly to the clubs. I'm not sure anything really changes. I I, I think it is just. Uh, kicking the can down the road, as, as Pete was saying yesterday. And surely what needs to happen at the moment is not just that clubs are saved. It's not just about giving them a fish. It's about teaching them to fish, isn't it? Things have to change going forward so that we're not revisiting the the, the structure of the game every mm. every five minutes. I mean, if you're not going to restructure stuff and make it more sustainable at a time like this when is it going to happen is yeah. it ever going to happen yeah.
4: if you look at the mismanagement across the EFL relating to Blackpool Bolton Wigan Athletic Macclesfield that's not because of something that's happened in the Premier League that's because of mismanagement at yeah. those levels yeah. at those clubs mm.
3: alright let's move on to another email from Phil Mount Stevens, who says hello all well, long time listener first time caller something really irks me about Fulham being fortunate enough to be promoted a second time in reasonably quick succession to then seemingly squander the opportunity by playing playing so dially as if to be taking it for granted I'm Guessing you might be a QPR fan, Phil. Uh, he said everyone I know wanted Brentford to go up, uh, including a few Ramble presenters as well. And it feels like they would at least be giving it a bloody better go than Fulham. Well, we don't know that, do we? Uh, what do I the think Ramblers? We do, I a don't bit. know. I don't know. I think this is harsh <laughs> on Fulham. What do the Ramblers think about implementing a clause into the Championship playoff final that the winner gets five games to prove their worthiness to be in England's top tier before the plucky runner-up replaces them and gets a shot, much like Family Fortunes, where the opposition can win a game just because the first family fluffed up their last answer. The points tallies in the respective leagues would be swapped, which might add extra spice to the reversal.
5: You know, I was on board with that until Phil stuck the boot into family fortunes. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Phil, have some respect.
3: This is out of order. This isn't fair. Fulham have had a... uh, Obviously, they've not been great in their first three games. I'm sure Marcus will sit here and and talk about Fulham endlessly on, on Football Ramble, but... I think this is a bit harsh.
4: I don't know. i would cover them on Monday. What you want you really want to see bad. you want to
3: see after five games a team can go back down to the championship because they've not no, no, been good no, enough. Or, or maybe or
4: saying, maybe I'm even saying, three. Yeah, I'm saying three games. All three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All three. No, I mean obviously this is, this is kind of mad, but I mean that's kind of why I like it as well, you know, throw a bit of anarchy in there. <laughs> um Fulham are very bad though. I I don't know how you can have a You've sport- seen
3: them in the flesh to be fair.
4: Yeah, I I feel really bad for them because I, you know I don't I wanna I wanna be someone who if I'm gonna lay into something I'm gonna am gonna offer solutions and I honestly don't know how they can turn it around with the players they've got, which is all the more damning because they don't they don't have a squad fit for the Premier League. But they were in the Premier League two years ago and they spent a hundred million two years ago. And I don't know they've only spent I think something like twenty six now, and they're really keen to get some defenders in. But oh, I just I just don't know. I mean. I don't obviously agree with this that so they could, you know, they should be swapped out five games in, but maybe after ten games we'll be thinking, oh, <laughs> give me some Ben well,
5: well, well, Brentford would be coming back in without Ollie Watkins, wouldn't they? So there's there's a lot of loose ends there, isn't, yeah, isn't, isn't there? there? That that is. would be amusing if not only were Fulham put, put down after five games and. Brentford given the chance mm. but they just went to, to Villa Look, just to make it fair we're just gonna have to take your striker away and give him back
4: and, give him back uh, and I'm, then I'm, they swap back after that. five games though don't
3: they <laughs> <laughs> we'd never get cycle. to the end of the season would we um speaking of Ollie Watkins actually um another player assigned for Villa today Ross Barkley has gone on loan from Chelsea uh to join Dean Smith's side this is an interesting move isn't it it Good is. move and for Villa, I think.
5: How do they fit him and Grealish into the same team? Because it is Grealish's team. I mean, if I was Barkley and I was going to, uh, you know, let's be fair, bottom half of the Premier League type club, I would want to be the the, the lord of the manor in that midfield, wouldn't you?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, considering how well they play, I know it was only Fulham and they're going to be relegated in <laughs> two matches time anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> considering how well McGinn, Hoorahan and Douglas Ruiz do well together... You don't really want him coming up and upsetting that, and you imagine he's going to get a few games here and there because of the schedule that we've already talked about. But, but you know, he, he's not someone who's going to play out wide. You know, he's not really going to unsettle Trezeguet in that regard. Is he someone who's going to come in and and do the job that Begin and Hurand do better than he does? I don't think so. I suppose
5: that's that's the question when you talk about keeping We're everyone quite different Fiat-fish. players, though, aren't they? Like, do you do you sort of just Use him to take the pressure. You know how he came on for Kovacic all the time, and Kovacic mm. came on all for him. Maybe they do that with Grealish because they are hyper reliant on Grealish. Even though they've signed good players, and McGinn coming back is is absolutely huge for them, as is, yeah. is, is you say.
4: Yeah. there's going to be some assurances in that move. Obviously, he's he's not just done that on a whim. He no. he'll know he's guaranteed a certain number of games. Yeah. I'll just be it'd be interesting to see where he. Where he fits in there—that's all. I think he's—he's he's a very good player. I think similar to Deli Ali, he's a player who's been a, a bit confused around what his best position is. Um, and so you know, all the best to him.
5: Yeah. He also looks happier holding the shirt in the signing photos than a lot of players <laughs> who get a step down type of move do. Mm-hmm. You know, when you know, you always think of—we we talked about it—I think the other week when Nicola Anelka signed for West <laughs> Bromwich Albion, and, and it was just as if he'd, you know removed a pigeon from his guttering (laughs) and was like holding it up for the camera
3: yeah I think though that's it's because he knows it's a good move for him he probably knows he's going to get more game time at Villa than he would in this current Chelsea setup. and also there's nothing more that a player wants than to be wanted I think at a club and and I think he knows that Mm. Aston Villa he'll be given a lot of love um what about Andy the latest on oh, I feel bored of talking about it but Jaden Sancho like what what is going on is, is this move going to be made when we talked about no. we we talked about this a few days ago not at ramble but when we were together a few days ago and you were saying that this is the time United should be cashing in on him because in a year's time his stocks only going to go up so now's the yeah. time invest the money now and just get him so why aren't they getting him to, get it, get the deal
5: done. I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I'm going to flip this over to Vish because I just don't understand the way that Manchester United do transfers or don't do transfers. Like, Right, well, this is our price. Well, I, t- I tell you what, we'll give you a fair bit less mm-hmm. because that's what we feel. It doesn't matter what the buying club feels it's worth. It matters what the selling club feels what the player is, is, is worth. And um as I said with Sancho, it's been really clear. The price has been a fair one. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, based on what he's done and also their relationship with Sancho and Dortmund's relationship with Sancho, mutually very good. Mm. Um, and it's it's just like the the Alex Tellez thing, isn't it, Vish? Like the fact that there's a price there, they know what it is, they can afford it. So who's winning by them not paying it? I don't get
4: it. It reminds me a lot of um, when I used to go back to Sri Lanka as a kid, my parents would always take me to the market and... <laughs> there are no better hagglers than your parents, especially if you've got ethnic parents, as I've realised. Yep. My mum would, I, I wouldn't know what a story started out, but I knew what it went for and it would always seem cheap because she just knew what she was doing. And I remember the first time I went... I hate
3: haggling. I'm the worst at it. I just mate, i just mate. go, oh, yeah, all right, that's fine then. Yeah, OK, bye. Thanks. I, 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 I know I've been mugged <laughs> off. Yeah, My mum's the best at it, though.
4: Yeah, exactly. I think mums are, genuinely. Yeah. Uh, so I, I remember trying to replicate that when I was older and just getting absolutely rinsed. <laughs> and that feels like how Manchester United are doing their business now they're thinking well you know loads of people haggle over things like that but they just <laughs> end up going on for so long i was i saw there was a discussion on twitter yesterday about you know is this the most interminable um, manchester united transfer dealing in recent history and it's not because Ander herrera was disgraceful and I'll, all i could think about there was at least we're speaking to the right people here <laughs> at least we're not speaking to some imposters who happen to be walking by i was
5: gonna say you're forgetting the glory days of uh, manchester united's nicholas gaitan
4: oh god wow Wesley, wow. Wesley, Wesley snyder as well Wesley He's snyder, yeah. classic the um you know, Andy and I were talking about this in the office and we decided to say some of it here, but I think he saw the pain in my eyes and, and put me on this <laughs> room. just moved on and started talking about Bake Off again. But <laughs> it says a lot that at the height of this transfer dealing, when it looked like United were about to pull him over the line, that Borussia Dortmund tweeted a photo of Sancho smiling, thumbs up ahead of, I think mm-hmm. the Weekend's game. And given what we know that goes into, I suppose, you know, getting the sign off on doing those kind of things, he would have had to have the sign off from uh, Sancho's people and knowing what we know about the Borussia, uh, rather the Bundesliga accounts that they're, you know, quite on the nose and, and very entertaining. The fact that they could do so, so comfortably and mug off an entire club, social media intent there, just pressing send and sending the internet doolally, it says all you need to know about how respected Manchester United are in the transfer market. And that comes from years of, I suppose, thinking they are what they were, and not having a bit of self awareness in that market that they can't really go out and push for the big signings. But also, when they do that, when they play their hand as Manchester United, when they talk a big game, people are going to up, up their prices, and they're going to play hardball. And it just seems that United just aren't in the mood for that. If you look at the way that Liverpool and Chelsea have done their business this summer, chalk and cheese, really. But Andy, like you know, from a from from your um keen European eye as well we're also linked with Osmano Dembele as someone as a replacement for Sancho I don't really look at that United team and think it needs more width I think it needs more solidity but even Dembele and Sancho they're, they're very different players
5: yeah they are very different players um, firstly I think <laughs> I wonder if Sancho kind of looks at Dembele and think was was it that when you were trying to force your way out of Dortmund that was really the right thing clearly he got paid a bit more and um you know they're they're different people. They're different. Pro- I mean, Sancho's a lot more professional. I think we can say that as as, as well. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's it's a strange one, and um, it seems that there's maybe not the the, the legs in that that there might be. I, I I tend to think that from Barcelona's perspective, they need to hold on to Dembélé to, if if anything, to to re re. Inflate his value from from where it is. I was just trying to work out whether reflate, it re-flate re-inflate re-inflate. is a word. Reflate, reflate is a word. I think it re-inflate. is re. I think it is re-inflate.
3: re-inflate. Okay the, for that.
4: the one thing in Dembele's favour, from my point of view, is that he's primarily left-footed, isn't he? I know he uses both, but he's primarily left-footed.
5: He doesn't actually know which foot he, he is because um, it was being We're signing discussed an once. idiot. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it was being discussed
5: once because he can take free kicks with with yeah. with, with either foot, and they they said, uh, "Which which foot do you take penalties with?" And He's like. Uh, <laughs> No. Yeah. He's actually taken them with
4: both. Well, that's because Manchester United generally do, we have a, you know, a dearth of left-footed players when you consider it's just Luke Shaw and Matic, really, in terms of, like, the starting crop. Even Brandon Williams was primarily a right-back coming through the age groups. There was a gap at left-back. He played there, played well, and then, you know got his breakthrough through that
5: so they should be paying 18 million for alex telles left foot never mind the rest of him <laughs> yeah.
3: and what about the link with luka jovic as well on loan from real madrid that's another player that united have been linked with but again it's another striker and you've already pointed out as a united fan fish that you would rather see them solidify this team than, than keep investing in forward players except for sancho i think yeah also is is he a bit of
4: a knob <laughs> no, no, like, I, I'm asking that sincerely because I, I, I don't know. It Never met the like kids. But, but then, like, everyone seems like a knob, knob at Real Madrid, and then they come by and go, like, oh, no, you're quite a nice guy. <laughs> Gareth Bale's lovely though, isn't it? Yeah,
5: yeah that's right. You, once you leave the T Birds. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think the, the the thing is with Jovic, they've made quite an effort. He's, he's not helped himself with some of his behaviour this summer, but because he's been a failure in his first season, they've definitely made an effort to paint him right. in that light but his potential signing does a bit feel like manchester united panicking thinking are we going to get to the end of the window without signing anyone more and it it feels a bit spitbally
4: well we've got igalo on 400 grand a week so
3: (laughs) thumbs up only Mm -hmm.
4: only till january though right yeah yeah which i think
5: that's part of the um motivation they've got to get a replacement for him now Oh, everyone wants to see Cavani in the Premier League
4: though. No. no? I think yeah, that'll be that
3: nice. Would be that's the
5: one. Yeah, that bone come...
4: structure.
3: Yeah. I'll have him at Brighton. Yeah. I definitely would. <laughs> definitely would.
5: I can imagine him like riding his horse over the South Downs <laughs> towards the Amex. Yeah, because, before coming to a juddering hole in that massive car park. That
3: would be his uh, reveal for signing, wouldn't it? Yeah. On no. a horse. No, no, no. His what? reveal
4: for signing would be ballet.
3: Ah oh, yes, it would. It would. He's a ballet dancer, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, nice. doing that, Learnable, you know, the talent. thing with his leg on
4: Pirouette.
5: the bar. Yes, you don't want anything too elaborate if you're signing for Manchester United, though. I mean, you think of well, he's like not
3: signing <laughs> for United. he's signed for Brighton, remember? Right,
5: okay. <laughs> but if you think, if you think of Alexis playing the piano, and I, I remember like speaking to a, a few people who've like worked f- uh, with and for Arsenal, going, he'd never do any of that shit for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he rattles it out, and then afterwards he's like, Yeah, I'm done.
4: you've you've
5: got what you paid for now I'm just going to put my feet up
3: speaking of Brighton United the rematch well if
5: you want to bring it up tonight Vish if you want
3: to bring it up oh I'm ready for this right let's go I'm going to have a punch up with Vish outside and uh, tomorrow Andy you're going to be back with Kate and Pete Uh, thanks for listening we will see you next time on the Football Ramble Vish say bye bye Andy later bye
2: This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.
0: Hold up.